0: Reality is is that probably not one of us have drawn here with pure motives. God, that tonight, even to say our heart is right before you, God, have we taken the time to consider if that would be true? The songs that we just sang, God, were they just a, a great melody? Sung from an empty heart? Or Lord, was it the cry of desperation? Lord, tonight I would confess, Lord, I don't know. Lord, that tonight, if we would be honest, when's the last time we let you search our hearts? Lord, to the depths of our soul, God, when's the last time that we ask you to examine us? And so as we look at your word tonight, Lord, pray that you would cause it truly to divide the soul and the spirit that you would allow us to discern tonight what is right from what is wrong, what is good from what is evil. And tonight, Lord, that you would put a barrier around your church so thick no demon could penetrate, no weapon formed against us would prosper. God, that tonight, as your word goes forth, it would wreck the kingdom of darkness. Lord, that out of this room and these individuals, Lord, a new passion, a new hunger, Lord, in a restored relationship, Father, we ask tonight, Lord, heal our wounds and speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I love how the Lord works, and if you've never gotten to see it, I would encourage you to press in harder, because when you begin to see how God begins to weave things together, it is not the doing of some well-educated individual, it is not... Uh, some eloquent words strung together. It is the moving of his spirit. And I would ask tonight that as we gather together, and even as the Lord put that verse upon Pastor Shadrach's heart, that is honestly encompassing tonight. What I believe the Lord wants to do is that as we say, do we even get excited? Do we call each other? Service is starting. Let's go. Or do we come trickling in as if worship is the previews to a movie? Sometimes we do all the right things in the wrong way. The church in Corinth had done this with communion itself, and it had hindered a great work that God wanted to do. We do a lot of things the wrong way. It's funny, if I look back in my life, I can pick up a lot of little funny stories of things where your intentions were right, but the outcome was wrong. What you were doing was right, but you were doing it in the wrong way. Simple little things. I remember in high school, we were being responsible young adults, right? We're going to barbecue our own cheeseburgers, but there's no barbecue, no charcoal, no wood, no nothing. But we had a metal grate and meat. And I was like, okay, let's do this. So we made a little pool of lighter fluid, lit it on fire underneath the grate, and put the meat down and it sizzled and it was like, this is going to be awesome. I remember this rumor that if you use too much lighter fluid, it'll taste like lighter fluid, but that's a rumor, right? Right? And so we're doing all the things right, and as the fire would dwindle, we just put a little more lighter fluid, and the flame would come back up, and it would dwindle, we put a little more lighter fluid, the flame would come back up, and my friend Mike and I were sitting there cooking, about 15 minutes of this, just go through about a half a bottle of lighter fluid. Well, it's true, the the vapors rise up into the meat, and you pull it off, it looks perfect, you slap it on the buns, you melt the cheese, it's great, everything was done right? What was amazing to find out is that when you bite into it all the juices that would typically just taste like a a bit of heaven, it just felt like your mouth was filling with lighter fluid in the moment. It was disgusting. We do all the right things the wrong way. If you've ever taken a CPR class, you'll find out, you know, when you give the compressions and you check the pulse and you listen for the breathing and there's a whole cycle to it. But if you learn on a young child, if you do it wrong, it's a totally different Method is a totally different way of doing it, that when you push on their sternum and CPR to revive them and bring them back, that as you're doing it, if you do it too low, there's a part of your sternum as a young child that will break off and pierce their heart and kill them immediately. And so you could innocently and ignorantly, without knowing it, kill a child while trying to save its life. A little more serious than burnt cheeseburgers. And I think innocently and ignorantly, the church is lulled to sleep from season to season. That when we ask the question, Lord, when is the last time I sat still and let you search my heart? Can we even answer that? I don't know. First Corinthians chapter 11, it tells us of a church that had become incredibly self-centered, super focused on the individual and not the body. And as soon as that happens, destruction is on its way. 1 Corinthians 11, starting up in verse 17, it says, Now I give these instructions, I do not praise you. Strong words from Paul. He is full-blown rebuking the church. He gives them some instructions, some things to do and pay attention to. He says, Now I give these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. For there also must be divisions factions among you these different groups that those who are approved may be recognized among you you've got your favorites set up therefore when you come together in one place it is not to eat the lord's supper he tells them, you think you're coming together communion you're wrong you think you're coming together to partake of the lord's supper guess again you're doing all the right things in the wrong way this is for an eating Each one takes his own supper ahead of the other, and one is left hungry, the other is drunk. What? What? Do you not have houses to eat in or drink in? Do you not despise? Do you you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The question tonight is, have we lost focus? We're doing all the right things. Worship will be on time. Announcements will happen. Bible study will take place. People will gather. We're doing all the right things. But tonight, is it in the right way? They had come together and completely abused the gathering together of the Lord's Supper communion in a way in which Paul says, you're not even doing what you think you are doing. It has become the blind leading the blind. Don't lose focus. Don't lose focus. It's all because of Jesus. Things can happen in our lives that get our attention. Things can take place that distract us. Things can arise that break our hearts. But we cannot lose focus that it is all about Jesus. Paul brings it up. Look at. I hear what's going on. I hear there's divisions among you and I even believe it. I see it happening. And when you come together, you're abusing one another. It's all about you. You're taking seconds before someone else even gets firsts. You don't care at all about the person next to you. You're doing all the right things, but in the wrong way. You've lost focus. It's all about Jesus. I've learned as I've grown up, even in life, normal life. If you have a a driver's license, you know this. Maybe you'll be asked to run errands, right? Can you run to the store and grab a jar of pickles or a gallon of milk? And you're like, yeah, write it down. I don't need to write it down. And then you get there and you're like, oh, no. What am I supposed to get? Ice cream sounds good. And you stand there and you wait and you wait, but you've lost focus. You didn't have anything there as a reminder. Communion is to be a reminder so that Jesus is not a distant memory, but a present reality. Communion was not brought up for a night of fun uh, and fellowship and, oh, I love to worship, more worship is so cool. That is not what it's about. If we have lost focus and it's become self-centered, or we get some kind of gratification out of a, a prolonged opportunity to do something, one thing's for sure, we have lost focus and it is no longer about Jesus. Realize it or not, it's amazing. He says, you're proclaiming the Lord's death. What in the world does that mean? To proclaim means to, to announce or to make something known. That when we take that bread, it says the body of Christ was broken for you. And we take the cup that represents the blood of Jesus poured out upon the cross. He says, every time you do that, you are announcing Jesus died For my sins. Every time. Just as baptism is a public display of our dying to self and a new life in Christ, that when we take communion, it is a public display amongst brothers and sisters that I believe Jesus died for me. And we proclaim it, maybe not audibly but how many times do we eat that cracker and kick back that juice and wish it was a little bit more? It's not about that. It's about Jesus. We proclaim it. The question is, look, when we say Jesus died for me, and you might even tonight be like, yeah, I know that. Question, as you proclaim tonight, when you grab that cracker and that little cup and say Jesus died for me, gave his life for me, you might understand that in your head, but do you care in your heart. Are we doing the right things the wrong way? Have we lost focus? I don't know how many of you guys ever have dogs. Wait till you're a parent, though. Let me tell you the story of dogs. You've heard the other end, and you know it's a reality. Your kids come running to you. Can we get a dog? Can we get a dog? Can we get a dog? No. What if I pay for it? No. No. What if it's free? No, no, no. Why? Because you're not going to care about it two months later. Yes, I will. I'll walk it and feed it and love it forever. Two months later, it's alone out in the sun. It hasn't been watered for three days. The poop's piling up like Mount Everest. It's horrible. Has, look, as real as that is, you get your puppy and it's fun, fun, fun. But eh, let's find something else to do. Some of us have been saved for a while. Years even maybe. Has your salvation become like that old puppy? Or was super cool and fun and exciting and you were all about it. and You couldn't wait to get to church. You couldn't wait to get to your Bible. But now it's like, oh, I got to pick up the dog poop. I guess I should read my Bible. Uh, I just stand in worship now. If those things are true, something's off. You've lost focus. That we're maybe still doing the right things, but quite, quite possibly in the wrong way. There's to be a heart check tonight. If you've got your Bibles open, take a look. Verse 27 to 30. It says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let each man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many have been laid in the grave, or they are asleep now. It caught up with them. That when we look at the moment of communion, it is to be a great tell sign of our relationship with Jesus. Tonight cannot be about the songs that are sung. It cannot be about if I was entertaining enough or not, or funny enough or not. It is to be a marker in your life in which you measure your relationship with Jesus. Communion is not supposed to be some fun, extravagant event, but a current, present reality of Jesus Christ. In an unworthy manner, it says that To take it in a way that is unfit or to bring shame or to degrade what it is. To make it less valuable. I think there's three things in our lives that do that. For these people, it's exactly the same thing. They were just all about them. They'd eat, 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 eat. For some of them, it was about the groups of people they were hanging out with. For others, it had just become kind of a complacent, uh, oblivious, numb, lukewarm state selfishness becoming oblivious or lukewarm or divisive church can become that tonight i'm not asking you right now to think about outside of this room in your personal life you've got to let the lord deal with you if it's stealing or if it's pride or it's lust or whatever it is but as we gather together here in this place it starts here now with the body of christ Is our gathering together in vain? Is it an emptiness? Is it something that is just for show or for excitement or for fun or entertainment? That's what we do on Wednesdays to get out of the house? Or do we come hungry to hear from the Lord? Do we come grateful and desiring? Dang it, worship started and I'm missing my opportunity to praise the goodness of God. If it's selfishness, this is kind of what it looks like in our lives, I think. For some of us, we've become super selfish about church. We like when it, it feels right, it feels good, it makes us happy. You look forward to worship because you love worship. And I'll say, every believer, I think, goes through some cycle of all of these things. So don't get so low today that you're like, oh man, I'm so far from God, he must hate me. This ends with an awesome encouragement that tonight if we get right, If you notice, the very next chapter opens up, okay, let's get ourselves right with God. Let's get rid of selfishness. Let's stir it up to be hot for Jesus again. Uh, Let's remove the divisions and now the Holy Spirit can work. The very next chapter following this is all about the gifts of the Spirit and how they move amongst the body. But if we are not united, God will not move. If we are divided or self-centered or lukewarm, God can't move. Selfish if we love worship because we love worship, not because we love the Lord. I question I'm with you guys tonight. I question my own heart. Lord, Lord, why do I love singing that song? Do I love that song because I love that song? Or do I love that song because I love you? There's a massive difference. If we've fallen in love with worship. We are no longer truly in love with the Lord. It feels good. It looks good. If it's selfish, right? Maybe some of us like being the hero. We love ushering because we like to be seen doing good things. We like running computers and hitting lights and uh, getting loud in worship and being involved. We're, we love to be thought of as the hero or the good guy, and we like to be seen. It's no longer serving the Lord, it's serving man. Maybe it's even serving us. We are the man we're serving. Tonight, if I get up here and teach the Bible because I love to teach the Bible, that's the wrong motive. What's the right motive? You tell me. What's the right motive? Is it ever selfish? It should never be to get up and to say something or to serve because you love serving or to be with God's people because you love fellowship. It's to be immersed in the body of Christ out of an overwhelming love for Him. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll give you something to say and someone to help, but it has to be as unto the Lord. Galatians 3.3, it says, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? You think that God loves you more now because of how we serve. You think God loves you now more because of how you worship? He loves us more because we've gotten involved? It's foolish thinking. But true nonetheless. How often do people come to church because they love what they get from it? Instead of loving to give. Sometimes we're oblivious to the whole thing says that whoever does this is unworthy, and they, it is the equivalent of taking the Lord's name in vain. Do you know what it means to take the Lord's name in vain? It's to take his name upon you with absolute emptiness. Uh, I don't really care for football much. I like it, but I don't, I don't love it. It would be the same thing if I went to the Super Bowl and put on the jersey, right? And It's like, yeah, go. Whoever's going to be in the Super Bowl, I don't know. You're like, yeah, we're going to win. This is going to be awesome. And you sit there, and you're like, who do you want to win? I don't care. What, you're wearing the Patriots jersey. Oh, yeah, I just like the colors. What is that? And you sit up in the stands, right? And the whole time it's like, oh, he needs to get off the field. He doesn't know what he's doing. And that guy, oh, kick him out. And Oh, get yeah, great catch, but you need to you need to extend your fingers a little bit more. And the quarterback, man, he was better last year. I don't know what's wrong with him. He's probably not eating the right diet. He needs to exercise more. You're the fat dude in the stands. Shut your mouth. like. Give up? What do you know? You didn't even make the bench, right? We say, "Oh." I have a question. If maybe we're not selfish about church, have become oblivious to it. We're so good at pointing out the good parts and the bad parts, and I like this and and that's great, but I don't really care about any of it. Because no matter how good or bad worship sounds, no matter how good or bad the Bible study is, no matter how great of a camp or how minimal of a camp or whatever it is, I don't really care. The Lord would say, you're not even in the game. Shut your mouth. Because when we talk about the church that way, you are degrading the bride of Christ. And you are to be very careful. We think that because we have an opinion and a mouth to share it, we can just go around saying whatever we want about whoever we want. And it is wrong. The Bible says that I cannot even judge my own heart. That God alone knows the truth about who I am. And that if I think I can talk trash about the bride of Christ, I've got another thing coming. Especially if I'm not even in the game. What is church to you? It is a place to fulfill your selfish desires because you love worship for worship. And you love gossip so you like to hang out with the people that seem to know stuff. Is it lukewarm? You love to be in the audience and just critique things because you know how to do everything right, but you don't actually do anything at all. Worse, maybe potentially the very worst, are we part of the division? Because I will tell you, and you will see it over and over again in your life, if the enemy cannot win from temptation on the outside, he will try and cause division on the inside. And he is fine. Satan is absolutely fine moving slowly. Paul says, I've heard there's divisions amongst you, these factions, these people. It's groups who have gathered together. And and as he opens up the book, remember the very first chapter? What is wrong with you guys? I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos and I'm of Jesus and I'm of... He says, I am so thankful I haven't baptized any of you. None of us died for you. No one. When did we make this about ourselves or about those around us? And it will happen. It may be within your group of friends. We go to war with each other because of a group that we like to hang out with. You see it all the time within different churches is Chad better than Dave? Is Dave better than Chad? I'm sure he'd agree with me. We're both sinners saved by grace. We're both sons of the king and will be loved for eternity. And he's got a cooler beard than I do, so. <laughs> but divisions creep in. Maybe someone's smarter or appears to be, and they're not, Maybe someone's more passionate to be. Maybe they're not. But what's happening here in this church, he says, guys, you've taken the name of the Lord and the Lord's Supper, and you've done all the things right, but in the wrong way. You've made it about what you get. You've made it about your group of people, and you're on the verge of going to war with one another instead of against the kingdom of darkness. None of them, no one. I'll tell you right now, I did not die for your sins. Pastor Shad did not die for your sins. Your friends did not. Your leaders did not. No one. And so the only group that we should be around and the only name that should be exalted is the name of Jesus. Be very, very careful. Going from wrong to right. If we've done all the right things wrong, how do we get back? How do we get back? I mean, that's a mess. Last couple verses in this chapter, starting in verse 31, it says, For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait, wait for one another. And if anyone is hungry or you can't handle your own desires... Let him eat at home lest you come together for judgment and the rest I will set in order when I come. It's As if your mom said, I'll be home in 30 minutes, don't leave. (gasps) What do we do? How do we take all the things that maybe we've been doing the right way but it's all wrong? How do we go from that and make it right again? How do we bring an offering that is acceptable to God again? How do we make him our first love again? You repent you stop looking at church. You stop looking at people. You stop looking at anything other than Jesus. And tonight, it is all about Him. Two things. He says, it is to proclaim the Lord's death loudly tonight. That when you take that cracker and that juice, you better know that to, what, 150 people? You are saying, I believe in Jesus. He is my focus, He is my life. He is my everything. And when you partake of it, you know he is first and he is last. He is everything. The second is to serve each other. Second thing, he says, look, one, know this. When you take communion, you are proclaiming the name of the Lord. Second, you let yourself be examined. Turn your eye on the inward person. Judge yourself. Simple, he says, take a look at your own life, not what you want to be but who you are now. If we all were to make a list right now, who do you want to be in 10 years? Dude, we have like some pretty sweet descriptions of who we want to be in 10 years. I would be the most loving father and and the most amazing husband and a great Bible teacher. And uh, we could make this great description, these are who I want to be. Sometimes I wonder if we live in the who we want to be and fail to recognize what we are. That tonight, don't live in the who you want to be. It says, turn your eyes inwardly and let the Lord examine yourself. Jesus taught this to us. He said, don't you dare go pointing out the speck in your brother's eye while well, you've got this plank sticking out of your face. Tonight, that the Lord would remove the planks in our lives, that he would begin to do surgery. Maybe tonight you're like, I'm not that bad. I'm doing okay. And my motives are right. Praise the Lord. Are you sure? I don't know. Hmm. Then let him check. If we would judge ourselves, this is not a pep talk, by the way. This doesn't mean you get in the corner and be like, I am awesome, I am good, I'm strong, I'm awesome. We can do this. All right, let's go. Woo, yeah, I'm amazing. That's not what it means to examine yourself. It's not to look in the mirror and be like, well, I do look good today. Like, That's not what that means. It means to sit down and to judge what you have done. The crazy thing is, you've got to let the Lord be the judge. You can't do it. If we were to judge ourselves, not a a pep talk says we would not be judged. What if tonight, right? What if tonight you're like, oh man, I messed up. Know this. I encourage you in this. God desires. It says, It is the chasing of the Lord. It is the correction of God, not the condemnation that the world will receive. In a few minutes, we'll get back in worship. In a few minutes, I'm going to ask you guys as much as possible to get alone with Jesus. But tonight, that you truly, before you eat that, you better not bite that cracker or drink that cup without remembering the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You cannot do it until you have let the Lord search your heart. If that takes a half an hour, you sit down with for a half an hour. If you're not done tonight, you go home and you sit down with the Lord and say, Lord, you've got to show me where I am with you. But know this, if you're anything like me, you'll find out and then you'll be like, you stink at life. You don't deserve to live anymore. You've stumbled people. You don't, man, you should just give up altogether. Paul is so sweet. Paul, isn't this crazy? Paul opens a chapter. I cannot praise you. You've messed up. You've been selfish. You've been divisive. You've taken the Lord's Supper in vain. You are unworthy of it all, and God loves you. Like, what? (laughs) What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the chasing of the Lord, it's a correcting. It's not a condemning. It's to build you back up, not tear you down altogether. If you're not familiar with what Jeremiah saw in the potter's house, take a look. I think it's chapter 18. He's sitting there looking into the house, and this man's building up this enormous, beautiful vessel out of clay, but something goes terribly wrong. And Jeremiah's looking in the thing, It's, it's marred. It is marked, it is permanently damaged, and it begins to fall apart in his hands and he begins to turn and go away, and the Lord says, no, keep looking, Jeremiah. And he looks in, and he keeps watching. I don't know if it's a window, or the door's cracked open, or what, but he keeps watching. He takes the same messed up, marred lump of clay, and turns it into something even more magnificent. That is what Jesus Christ tonight desires to do with every one of us. Every one of us. We are marred, we are messed up, we are sinners saved by grace. But as a church, we are to be unified, not divided. We're to be about those around us, using our gifts to build each other up, not self-centered. Tonight, to allow Him to build us back up. If we've come for anything other than proclaiming the Lord's death, and serving and strengthening the body. We have come for the wrong reasons. These are big things. They are things that will define a generation, though. We'll be a generation that either knows how to do really good church services. We will be. We the technology that we have, the instruments we can play, we will be a generation that can play church better than any generation that has ever walked the planet Earth. But the generation to come will have a form of godliness but completely deny its power. What's your focus tonight? It has to be Jesus. It has got to be the Lord. Let's pray, all right? Father, tonight, God, Lord, if it was just, Lord, your patience for us, we'd be unworthy. God, your mercy and your grace, Lord, I pray would fall upon this place, Lord, that tonight it is so hard. Why is human nature to tear each other down? Why are we so good at dividing what you build up? Lord, take it from us. God, tonight that you would search our hearts. Lord, that you would expose the areas we're unaware of tonight. God, that we would once again walk in truth. Lord, that this place, Lord, on the map, this place. Lord, that we again, we would enter with songs of praise. It would happen at the curb Lord, that when we are on our way to church, we would come not as a people wanting to be entertained or just willing to sit through it. But God, that you would put in us a new desire that we would come wanting to hear from God. Lord, we need you so bad. Father, ask tonight that you'd be patient with us. As your sons or daughters, Lord, break us tonight, but Lord, build us back up. Tonight, guys, is you have the opportunity to take communion. I cannot stress tonight. If we sing... It must be because it is in spirit and it is truth. It must be. Otherwise, we are just clinging symbols. Our love must be for the Lord first. Tonight, if there's that... revealing thing that God does and it's like man I've messed up or I've just simply walked away or I've forgotten or I've grown cold or I've been the one so focused on myself I don't remember the last time I did anything no tonight you confess your sins man God's promises are awesome you confess your sins the Bible promises that he is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness That you walk out of here again as white as snow. That is awesome. If you're his, isn't it awesome? Even in all of our little wicked deeds, I'm still his son. You are still his daughters. God, tonight search us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.